you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Show, presented by DraftKings. Here's your host, Marcus Grant. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show presented by DraftKings. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, still masking and socially distancing when and where necessary. And we are almost to week 12. One more game left in week 11, which means we're getting closer to the end of the fantasy regular season, which means all these games get a lot bigger. I know for a lot of folks, this really is crunch time, trying to make sure you make that last push to get into the playoffs. I know for some folks, it's uh, you're on easy street right now. You are already locked in to the postseason, and it's just about getting your roster ready. But whatever, we're here to sort of recap what happened over the weekend, and we're going to give you some waiver wire options on what is, frankly, not a great waiver wire week, but we'll try to certainly help you out with that. And of course, we will preview the Monday night game. Really interesting one between the Rams and the Buccaneers. Kimmy Checks will be here to help us do all of that and more. But before we get into it, let's talk to our faithful producer, senior Edward L. Murphy Esquire. And uh, Murph, was it was it sort of relaxing this week to not necessarily have to uh, fret about the Giants uh, over the weekend? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's a great week for them, too. They're coming back healthy. Eagles got a, a big L, which really helps us out. Um, it's sad to see what happened to Joe Burrow, though, because the Giants are playing the Bengals next week. Um, but they're getting back Xavier McKinney, their second-round pick, who was supposed to be an impact safety for them. So I'm pretty ecstatic about uh, the Giants. I uh, did not like to see that Dallas win. But um, if you're, uh, you know, I think the smart move here is to predict the Giants are going to win the NFC East, and I feel pretty good right now. <laughs> look, I think it's look. They've got as good a chance as anybody. You have four teams, all with three wins. You know the weird part, though, Eddie, is that you know the best thing that could have happened to the Eagles right now is a tie. I mean, th that tie could end up being the thing that helps them win the division, which is a word, I, a phrase I never thought I would say in my life. Yeah, and it, man, that that Evan Ingham drop a few weeks back, like hitting his fingertips, is still uh, haunting my brain. But um, it, it's strange what's going on with those Eagles. I mean, to see Carson Wentz play the way he is, like I, I don't, I don't understand this division whatsoever. Like I thought the Cowboys, they were my pick to win the whole division. I did think the Eagles would be in the mix, um, and now to see the Giants after looking miserable early on, being uh, you know being a part of this thing, it's it's like it, it really makes no sense. Like there has to be a, like an ESPN thirty for thirty on like the twenty twenty NFC. There really should, uh, but it is a four-team race to the finish with just a handful of weeks left. So uh, if nothing else, it's going to be entertaining in its own special way uh, to watch how this thing shakes out. So uh, I'm certain we will – this is not the last we will talk about the NFC East before the season is over. However, we will turn our attention to the one and only Kimmy Checks, who I'm sure had her own bit of stress last night watching her Kansas City Chiefs have to fight tooth and nail against a good Raiders team. I mean, they, they had beat the Chiefs once, very nearly did it again last night. I would imagine your stress levels were through the roof, Kimmy. 
I was the Derek Carr meme in the fourth quarter because we kept getting all those penalties on defense. And I literally was sitting on my couch like this. I was livid. Uh, but then, of course, we ended up and pulled it off. Patrick Mahomes, all, all he needed was, what was it, a minute and 43 seconds to go down the field and get that amazing touchdown to Travis Kelsey. So I'm living large this morning. A little bit of stress, but I'm in much better of a mood than that Derek Carr meme now. <laughs> I will tell you, and I'm sure you, you have a level of confidence. I mean, when, when Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback, it's easy to be confident. But I feel like the the rest of the football population that didn't have a specific rooting interest in that game, I'm sure they looked at it and they said, well, Mahomes has the ball with like a minute 45. Like, I think everyone was just kind of like, yeah, we know how this is going to end. And it ended exactly the way we thought it would end with Mahomes throwing a touchdown to Travis Kelsey. Uh, and then the Chiefs get one last stop, uh, you know, getting the interception late on that one. And so... Uh, I know for you, it was probably stressful. For the rest of us, we're like, oh, yeah, we've seen this movie. We know, we know, this <laughs> we, know we already know how this is um, going to end. Which, although, here's the thing. And I saw the stat last night. I should. I wish I, I thought to pull it up. I believe that was the first game-winning touchdown that Mahomes had thrown in the final two minutes. Uh, it was, it's some, some kind of stat that was just mind-blowing like that, uh, that, that it was something he had never done before. And I would have never in a million years guessed that that, that would have been the case. Uh, but but here we are. So, uh, okay. Uh, let's turn our attention to some fantasy headlines. Let's start, though, with what was uh, maybe the biggest fantasy story leading up to the week. And that was Taysom Hill. Uh, we, we thought, you know, this time last week, we thought it was going to be Jameis Winston as the quarterback. By the time we got to the weekend, we realized it was going to be Taysom Hill getting the start. And we wondered, well, does Jameis work in at any point? Nope. It was all Taysom all the time for the New Orleans Saints as they got a win over the Atlanta Falcons. A pair of touchdowns for Taysom Hill, Kimmy. Uh, just neither one with his arm, both with his legs. And so I just got to just ask a general question. What did you think of Taysom Hill's debut as a starting quarterback? What? He's not a quarterback. He's a tight end. What are you talking about? His, his, his starting <laughs> debut as a tight end was incredible. No, I mean, it was good. You see the stats right here. 18 for 23, 233 yards, 10 rushes, 51 yards, and two rushing touchdowns. Now, I think before Sunday's game, we were talking on NFL Fantasy Game Day, and we were like, oh, Taysom Hill, he's going to be in for a few snaps, and then Jameis is going to take over. This means bad things for Emmanuel Sanders and Michael Thomas. This means great things for, for Alvin Kamara. He's quarterback-proof. And all of that was kind of the reverse. Taysom Hill start, stayed in as a start, starting quarterback that entire game for that win over the Atlanta Falcons. We saw that Michael Thomas was actually used quite a bit. You know, this was kind of a make good from his non-production last week, which was a little bit of a surprise to us. And then on the reverse side of that, Alvin Kamara wasn't as great as he could have been because Taysom Hill went in and did his two rushing touchdowns himself. So I think my biggest question now is, does this mean bad things for Alvin Kamara moving forward? And then what does this mean for the Saints organization as a whole and for all of those fantasy-relevant players? Michael Thomas, does the same production continue? What about Emmanuel Sanders? What do we do with all those pass catchers, including Jared Cook? So I think there are a lot of question marks, but a huge question mark for me is, do you want a starting quarterback for a franchise that doesn't throw passing touchdowns? That, well, here's the thing. If you're, if you're talking fantasy, I mean, it almost works out having Taysom Hill run the ball in because if you get four points for passing touchdowns, uh, those rushing touchdowns are even more valuable. But the, the Alvin Kamara thing that you mentioned was something that was on my mind last night because Kamara ended up not having a very good fantasy game uh, because, as you mentioned, Taysom Hill – 
is likely to take it in himself. And we saw him run the football quite a bit. I even noticed, I went back and watched that game again last night. I noticed that late in that game, once the Saints had it wrapped up and were just trying to run out the clock, a lot of times it was just Taysom taking the ball himself uh, instead of handing it off to Alvin Kamara. There's also a, a good stretch of the game where Latavius Murray was in, but that's a, a different conversation. I, I will say that Taysom threw the ball fairly well. He had some nice throws. It was nice to see him get Michael Thomas involved. They did take a couple of shots downfield uh, to Emmanuel Sanders. One was a long touchdown. They ended up getting called back because of a penalty. Uh, there was another long throw where I think Taysom got hit and the ball was like really, really underthrown. And, and so that's it looked bad, but when you see the replay, you understand why the, the throw ended up the way it did. So on the whole, I thought he played well. But yeah, Kimmy, I mean, we it, it, in terms of starting Taysom, the touchdowns are great. Uh, in terms of starting his wide receivers or his tight end, maybe not so much. So, I mean, I got to ask you, I mean, we're still okay, though, with Alvin Kamara, right? We're still, we're not, we're not backing off Kamara just yet, right? No, 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 absolutely not. And, you know, the trade deadline has passed for all NFL.com standardly. So even if for some reason you're hitting the panic button on Alvin Kamara, which you absolutely shouldn't, you kind of just got to rock with what you got for, for the rest of this remaining NFL season, especially for the fantasy playoffs. But I do think Alvin Kamara is going to be okay. And hopefully some and the rest of the team, they go back and they watch film and Sean Payton and the rest of the offensive coordinators show Taysom Hill. It is okay to pass off the ball to your other running backs. You do not need to continue to be the utility player if you are the starting quarterback. That's the end. I'm curious to see what happens. Look, we know that Breeze is going to be out for at least a couple more weeks. He's on injured reserve, which means he's got to miss three games. So it means we have at least two more weeks without Breeze. Next week is the Broncos. I'm very curious to see what adjustments uh, the Saints make, because certainly now that the Broncos have film, they've got tape to watch on Taysom Hill. Uh, you know, they're going to try and, and adjust to him as well. So it's going to be interesting, but you're still starting Alvin Kamara. Uh, it was nice to see Michael Thomas get back, so we have a level of confidence in him. Even Emmanuel Sanders getting some targets, I think, was was something that, that was reassuring for the offense. All right, uh, some bad news yesterday, and Eddie alluded to it uh, earlier in the show. Joe Burrow suffered a season-ending knee injury, so the year is over for the Broncos quarterback or the uh, Bengals quarterback and the number one overall pick. A, a really just a tough way to see his season end. Ryan Finley came in to take over at quarterback for Cincinnati after Burrow went out with the injury. We're, we're, not, we're not starting Ryan Finley. I'm not going to pretend to, to tell you to start Ryan Finley. But, I mean, Kimmy, we had gotten comfortable with Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. Those guys have been really producing for us. What do we do with them now? This is so tough because we've been on this hype train all season long. And also, you know, I know we've been hyping up Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins, but A.J. Green actually had a decent game. A lot of that was when mm -hmm. Joe Burrow was in at quarterback. He got a touchdown. Uh, that was actually, sadly, the last touchdown that Joe Burrow was going to throw this season because of that injury. But in terms of what we do now, it's hard. And, and this is where I kind of want to rely and lean on you. So the Cincinnati Bengals have the seventh best remaining schedule for fantasy wideouts. So on paper, especially when Joe Burrow was the starting quarterback, I was going to rock with Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins till the end. I was like, they are going to bring me home a fantasy championship. Yesterday, we saw once Ryan Finley came and took over, he was, he was overthrowing the ball. He was underthrowing the ball. He was throwing picks. So I don't really know what to do now. As we said, the trade deadline is passed. I don't think we want to necessarily fade these guys. But I don't know what my level of confidence is in Finley actually getting them the ball. 
I, I, in the short term, I'm certainly downgrading both of them. I think Tyler Boyd, who had been a fringe wide receiver one, now becomes a low-end wide receiver two. T. Higgins is maybe a flex guy. I, I, I would consider giving them a shot this week against the Giants just because the matchup is at least a little more friendly. Uh, they got the Dolphins in two weeks. That's one I would probably avoid. So now they become much more matchup-based. I felt like we could sort of rock with Tyler Boyd and even Higgins in just about any situation, regardless of what the matchup is, I don't know that I have that same level of confidence with Ryan Finley. If if you have the luxury, if you have the the depth on your roster, uh, maybe you can sit out this week and, and take a, a wait-and-see attitude with them, but you might not be able to do that, in which case you sort of do have to kind of uh, you know, hope for the best, put them in the lineup, hope for the best, try to make whatever maneuvers you can uh, and, and see what you got there. But, yeah, it – uh, I mean, it stinks, obviously, for Burrow uh, to, to have him lose the rest of his rookie season like this, and hopefully he's able to, to heal up in the offseason and, and come back ready to go for next year. But it, there are also questions uh, about what this means for the, the pass catchers. You know, I, I guess I didn't mention, I mean, Gio Bernard, who we know Joe Mixon is on IR now too. Uh, maybe this helps Gio. I mean, short, short targets, safe, safe throws for your quarterback. Maybe this is good news for Gio. I don't know. I mean, I just want this to be a lesson to the front office for the Bengals. Please invest in a better O-line and protect that starting quarterback. I think one of the most disheartening and heartbreaking things we see in football is where these teams go and they get a stud quarterback and then they have this rookie season that is just completely riddled with injury. It's riddled with, with getting sacked and having turnover after turnover because they're not properly protected. So please invest in a proper O-line so then next year we can have Joey B actually go out there and be the quarterback we know he can be. Yeah, early early in that game on Sunday, um, we were watching Burrow take hits, and he's been taking a lot of hits all, all year long, even before the injury. I had just sort of offhandedly mentioned to some friends that I, I sort of hope Burrow doesn't become kind of Andrew Luck 2.0, uh, a good, young, talented, promising quarterback who gets beat up behind an offensive line and, you know, uh, may end up being forced to sort of step away before his time. And I, I hope not. I don't, I don't wish that on Burrow. I, I, like I said, I hope he comes back. But your point is taken. Um, you know, I think if if anybody learned the lesson uh, of the Colts, hopefully it's the Bengals watching what happened to Luck and uh, trying to, to make some uh, adjustments accordingly to protect the guy who looks like he can be uh, their franchise quarterback for years to come. Uh, all right, so let's spin this to some more positive news. Uh, Keenan Allen had a huge day for the Los Angeles Chargers. They get off the schneid, they end their losing streak, they keep the Jets winless. And in fact, they had a hand in making the Jets the, the first team officially eliminated from playoff contention. So congratulations. Uh, anyway, as for Keenan, <laughs> 16 catches, 145 yards and a touchdown. Just a phenomenal day. If you had the Herbert Allen stack, then congratulations to you on your week 11 win. Uh, but as for Keenan, this is a guy that sort of fell down drafts last year because nobody really knew what to expect. He's been lights out with Justin Herbert. So would you take him, say, second round next year? Oh, he is a top five fantasy wide receiver. Like top five, easily top five. I think, you know, a lot of that uncertainty was around the uncertainty of the quarterback. It was going to be Tyrod Taylor as a starting quarterback. We hadn't really seen the connection between him and Keenan, Keenan Allen before. We didn't know what to expect in this offense. The second Justin Herbert took over, Keenan Allen exploded. But even before that, he's been good. And I don't think he got a lot of the hype last season and seasons previously as he should. He has had double-digit fantasy points in every single game this season since week two. 
This guy is insane. He also tied a franchise record for receptions in a single game. And that game yesterday, he finished with 34 and a half fantasy points. He's currently the fantasy wide receiver number seven. He's above guys like Adam Thielen, Calvin Ridley, Tyler Boyd, Amari Cooper, Chase Claypool, Mike Evans, Julio Jones, etc. All of these guys that he's above, I don't think we we assume that he was going to outperform, but this is the new scenario. So I 100% think it's within reason for him to be an early second round draft pick, and he should be considered as above a wide receiver number five in fantasy football. I had talked myself early in the season or in the preseason into believing that Keenan Allen could have a top 12 sort of fantasy year, and that was under the belief uh, that Tyrod Taylor was going to be the starter for most of, if not all, of the season. Um, you know, after the first couple weeks, I, I had to sort of rethink that because it just it just wasn't quite working with Tyrod the way I'd hoped. And so, you know, Joey Burrow or uh, Joey Burrow, uh, Justin Herbert, I'll get my rookie quarterbacks right. Uh, Justin Herbert stepping in uh, has completely changed the way this is. And but it is in a weird way, my my prediction of Keenan Allen having a great year has sort of worked out, even if the process to getting there wasn't what I thought it would be. And I saw a lot yesterday on Twitter about people saying, hey, you know, we got to remember Keenan Allen is a great wide receiver. And I don't think people forgot that. I don't think people forgot how good he can be. I think it was what you said. People just weren't sure who was going to be delivering the ball and whether or not that person could get the ball. Because let's let's think about this. I mean, Justin Herbert was not thought of in the same way exactly as Joe Burrow or Tua Tungavailoa. Like, you know, he was kind of the third in that group, but he was kind of a, there was a gap between him and the top two. So that he's doing what he's doing uh, is definitely a surprise, a pleasant surprise, certainly for everybody. Uh, and it is definitely, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats. This has definitely helped lift Keenan Allen's boat uh, quite a bit. And I do think that's going to certainly help his draft value uh, next year. So if you got a discount on him this year, uh, enjoy it. It's gone now. It's not <laughs> going to happen. Um, all right. So that's from the good. Let's go back to the bad with uh, a little bit of week 11. I'm salty. We do this uh, every week. The, the this one is an all quarterback edition of I'm salty. Uh, the first one is Alex Smith, Kimmy, because he had nearly 400 yards uh, last week when, when he made his first start in a couple of years. And so we thought, all right, well, he's playing the Bengals this week. Like, it should be equally good. Maybe not 400 yards, but he'll throw a couple of touchdowns. He threw one touchdown. He had 166 passing yards. I was expecting more. Uh, tell me why I shouldn't be salty about Alex Smith. I mean, it was it was a tough game to watch. I don't think either of these teams really went out and performed incredibly well. But I still wanted to, to give Alex Smith some credit, right? I understand he was coming off of his career-high uh, game in terms of passing yards back in Week 10. Then he only threw 166 yards yesterday. But he does have a very good matchup against the Dallas Cowboys next week. Uh, and then they take on the 49ers and the Seahawks. So the matchups aren't horrible. Then I wanted to dig a little bit deeper and see, you know, was this bad performance from Alex Smith? Is this going to impact other fantasy relevant guys on the team? Terry McLaurin was still targeted seven times. JD McKissick, the running back who's also involved in the passing game. He was still targeted four times. And then Logan Thomas, the tight end, he was targeted six times. The targets were there. It just wasn't a good game. So I kind of want to back off of any type of Alex Smith hate and, and give him the benefit of the doubt of having an off game uh, after only getting his second start on the season and hope he has a bounce back next week against the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, that's a Thanksgiving game too, which which should be really interesting. Um, I, I, 
I, I mean, I'm kind of salty about it. I also kind of went back and realized they didn't necessarily need him to go out and have bananas numbers yesterday. I mean, the defense was swarming. Uh, you know, they, obviously the, the injury to Burrow changed things late in that game. But even before that, uh, they were just giving that, that Cincinnati offense a really hard time. Uh, Antonio Gibson was doing work on the ground, had 94 rushing yards and a touchdown. So, so many other things were working. It wasn't necessarily important for Alex Smith to go out there and have a huge game, but that doesn't stop me from being frustrated that uh, he didn't score that many fantasy points. That's the whole point of me doing this segment is just to to complain about things. So the next one I'm going to complain about is Matt Ryan. And he was not the headliner at quarterback in that game. Obviously, all eyes were on Taysom Hill. But I really thought that Matt Ryan was going to get us more than six fantasy points. I mean, I, I know Julio Jones was hurt for a good portion of that game. I guess he means that much to that offense, huh? Like without Julio, it's it's just it's awful, huh? I know. Isn't this weird? It's like we've kind of alluded to it throughout the season of like Matt Ryan only plays really well when Julio's in the game. And it's like it sounds silly to say that, but I think we proved the point yesterday. Now, I was one of those dumb people that still kept Matt Ryan into my fantasy lineup because I really didn't have a better option uh, at quarterback. But I learned my lesson because I've said this and I'll continue to say it. You do not want to ever go up against the New Orleans Saints when you are a Atlanta Falcon football player. This is one of the worst viral, I can't even talk, worst rivalries. One of the worst rivalries in the NFL. And, and I'm from New Orleans. I was born in New Orleans. My family is in New Orleans. When I was little, my grandmother and my mother told me, you never mess with the voodoo and the magic of New Orleans. You should always realize, never start Matt Ryan against the New Orleans Saints. I really just chalk it up to this being a really tough matchup, a really hard divisional game, and him not having Julio Jones. I think it was kind of expected. And for anyone who thought he was going to go out and have a monster performance, just look at history and see that he's never uh, performed well against the Saints. Yeah, and part of it, I think, also is that the Saints defense has sort of come back again. Uh, you know, it was it was kind of a struggle early in the year for them, but the last few weeks they have been pretty lights out. I mean, they had that huge game against the Buccaneers a couple weeks ago. They shut down the 49ers, and now they're doing it against the Falcons. So I think we might be trending back toward that situation of uh, maybe we think twice about starting people against the, uh, the New Orleans Saints this year. Uh, all right, last one, Matthew Stafford. And we went into the week kind of concerned because he had a thumb injury, but then the Lions said, well, he's going to go and he has no limitations and everything's going to be fine. So we thought, all right, well, maybe Stafford would be okay. I know the Panthers' pass defense has been pretty good, but I still expected a little bit more out of Matt Stafford than we got. But maybe we should have just, maybe we should have just known because of the thumb issue. I mean, I really didn't have a lot of high expectations for Stafford because one, like you said, this was a little bit of a tough matchup against the Panthers. We understand that he's been dealing with an injury, but then you also have to look at what, what the team around him was dealing with. There was no DeAndre Swift. He was out with a concussion. Kenny Galladay, he has a hip injury. Danny Amendola also has a hip injury. And, and they just weren't able to exploit or take advantage of any of their other, you know, pass catchers or people on the field. So this one's not a huge surprise for me. I think a lot of people probably faded Matthew Stafford and had him on the bench since he was questionable before starting on Sunday. So sadly, just no big surprise here, even though we can still be salty and complain because that is the whole theme of this segment. Not, not yep. too shocking. That's it. I mean, I know we're trying to put like actual logic and analysis in here, but uh, in the end, we're just we're just salty. That's all there is to it. So, 
Uh, one thing we're less salty about is DraftKings. Today's show is sponsored, as always, by DraftKings, a leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings has millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs this week. So download the DraftKings app now. Use code TEAM during sign-up and start feeling the sweat like never before. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. It's time for Performance Ready, presented by Castrol Edge. Every Monday, we do checks marks the spot. We pick three players who usually had a pretty good day on Sunday and talk about whether or not we think this is something that is real, if we can believe it or not. Damir Bird, after we had spent you know a week talking about Jacoby Myers and, and how he looked like the number one receiver there in New England, it was Damir Bird who had the big day for the Patriots against the Houston Texans. So is this a flash in the pan or should we really be paying attention to Bird right now? The law firm was fired. They're done with Jacoby and Myers. Now, this was interesting because he finished with just over 26 fantasy points. He had a career high in receiving yards, 132 yards. He also uh, had an 11-yard carry. Now, this is interesting because he put up zero points. He put up a donut back in week 10. If you look at the schedule next, the Patriots go on and they face Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. And Cam Newton is going to have to throw the ball to stay competitive with Kyler Murray and that incredible offense that they have. So I feel as if we could probably kind of rely on Demir Bird, but also still understand that Jacobs is still there as well and that Cam Newton is going to have to spread the ball. So I feel like I do have a little bit more confidence in Bird. What we saw yesterday from Demir Bird was obviously sort of on the extreme end of it, setting career highs in receiving yards and fantasy points. But if you've been kind of paying attention to the Patriots' passing game, as uneven as it's been this year, Bird has very quietly put together kind of a nice season. He was the guy that early on Cam Newton was going to pretty consistently. I mean, he does lead the team in targets this year. He leads uh, actually second in reception. So, you know, the signs pointing toward him being a go-to guy uh, were certainly there. Uh, maybe not to this extreme. I, I think really what it comes down to is that they've got two receivers there in Bird and Myers who on any given week, either one of them could go off and be the guy. And I don't know yet that the Patriots or Cam Newton have settled on one. So if you need wide receiver help, I think one or both is good to have on your roster uh, and play the matchups with. So I guess I guess that's a long way of saying I'm sort of believing it. Uh, I don't necessarily think he's a go-to weekly guy, obviously, but I do think if you if you need help with the position, then, uh, you know, Demir Bird is not a bad option to go and look at. Um, Dallas Goddard, uh, who has, I guess, kind of become the tight end of record in Philadelphia, as much as there is such a thing. I mean, we haven't seen Zach Ertz in a couple of months. Uh, Richard Rodgers did have a touchdown, but Dallas Goddard looks like the prime tight end there. So, I mean, five for 77 and a touchdown doesn't seem like a lot, but in our, our very thin tight end world, uh, that's good enough to be a top five tight end each and every week. So are we, are we back buying in to Dallas Goddard? I think we have to because he's probably one of the most consistent pass catchers that Carson Wentz has. Now, he did lead the team in catches and receiving yards while finishing second with targets. He now has had nine receptions over his last two games, and I think he's going to continue to emerge as the main pass catcher in this offense, especially against the Seattle Seahawks on Monday Night Football. That is such a tough matchup. Like I said in, in, the, in the previous one with Cam Newton going up against the Cardinals, if they want to stay competitive going up against the Seahawks, they are going to have to throw 
the ball. Because otherwise, Russ, who's been cooking all season long, is just going to completely stomp over them. So I feel like Dallas Goddard may be the best pass-catching option. So, yes, I think we can completely buy into him being a high-end, uh, middle-range tight end. That that Eagles offense is kind of a mess right now. I watched that game yesterday, too. And, and you know, they struggle to protect Carson Wentz. He's making bad decisions. They, they just have a, are tr- having trouble getting the ball out consistently. But... Dallas Goddard does look sort of like the best option uh, when they are able to throw the football there. So uh, maybe he is the one to kind of lean on. He and I still buy into Jalen Rager, but uh, Dallas Goddard might end up being kind of the number one option in that passing game going forward. Meanwhile, Travis Fulgham, uh, just side note, is vanished the last couple of weeks, and I, I have no real exploit. I have no real exploit. He's gone from Fulgham to full gone. Like, I don't know where he is, and I can't explain what has happened to him. So that's unfortunate. Anyway. Uh, we want you to tell us which one of these guys you believe in the most going forward. You can go to Kimmy Checks' Twitter page, at Kimmy Checks on Twitter, uh, and vote in the poll. Let us know who you think uh, has the most staying power out of these three guys from Week 11. And that was Performance Ready, presented by Castrol Edge. Have a say in this year's Pro Bowl vote, presented by Verizon. The Pro Bowl may look different this year, but the best players will still be recognized. Show your love, cast your vote, and make sure your favorite players still earn their place on the 2021 Pro Bowl roster. Vote today at NFL.com slash Pro Bowl vote. Time to take a look at the waiver wire for week 12. Not going to lie to you, it is not particularly a great list. Uh, Quarterbacks Derek Carr, Phillip Rivers, running back Frank Gore. Uh, Over to the wide receivers, Michael Pittman and Nelson Aguilar, Demir Bird, All on the list. Uh, A few streaming defenses, if you are so inclined this week. The Browns, the Giants, and the Seahawks, all worthwhile. Did not include Taysom Hill on this list or Dallas Goddard at this point. Uh, We sort of, you know, if you need help, you understand those guys are out there. Um, As much as we've talked about Taysom Hill, feel like people kind of understand. Look, if he's out there, go get him, go pick him up. Didn't feel the need to include him on this list here. But uh, let's talk about a couple of those names. One, Derek Carr, and I know you joked about sort of being the Derek Carr evil stare (laughs) meme. Uh, I immediately thought of Anthony Perkins at the end of the original Psycho uh, when I saw that death stare (laughs) that Carr was giving from the bench. But uh, all things considered, and maybe we haven't talked about it enough, Derek Carr has played some really good football over the last month or so, and I think it's about time we start recognizing that in fantasy. Game's got a recognized game. Even though we are divisional rivals, I have to give him his respect. He had 275 passing yards, three passing touchdowns. He did have an interception, but that was late in the fourth quarter when they were just trying to play catch up uh, and score against the Chiefs. He finished with just over 21 fantasy points. I think a huge thing that's so impressive with Derek Carr this season is that he's also made so many guys on that team fantasy relevant as well. We know that there's Henry Ruggs, Darren Waller, Nelson Aguilar, Hunter Renfro. Obviously, he has his running back Josh Jacobs as well. They have one of the most favorable schedules in the NFL for the remainder of this season. So if you really are looking for a streaming option at quarterback, especially if you had a guy like Joe Burrow, who is now out for the rest of the season, Derek Carr is an actual contender. And I got to put some respect on his name. Derek Carr, you've been balling out, bro. So, so good job. Yeah, he's been playing some really good football this year. So props to him. I mean, John Gruden has got that team going offensively. Uh, look, the fact that Nelson Aguilar, I mean, I know people still throw out the gif and throw out the meme or what have you, but he really is at the punchline. He is playing legitimately good football. And some of that is thanks to the head coach. Some of that is thanks to the quarterback. And so uh, Derek Carr is definitely worth a look this week. By the way, part of what I didn't mention, part of what makes this a tough week for the waiver wire is that 
there are no buys. So you, you should have, you know, without injuries, injuries notwithstanding, your full complement of players this week. So it's a little bit tougher to kind of go on the waiver wire and, and find guys to pick up because, you know, it's going to be hard to find guys that are probably better than who's on your roster. Uh, another name worth mentioning is Michael Pittman. And about a month ago, I said I wanted no parts of this Colts passing game. Things have sort of changed a little bit. Michael Pittman, the last few weeks, has really started to come to life. They've started to get him more involved. He scored his first NFL touchdown on Sunday. So it looks like there's some life there. Um, I, uh, Kimmy, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he's an every week starter, but Michael Pittman is, looks like he's got a little bit of juice right now. I mean, he's got some juice. He's had back-to-back 15-plus fantasy point performances. He had over 100 yards uh, back in Week 10. He had 66 yards. And his very first touchdown this week in Week 11. So I think, I mean, we have to, uh, speaking of giving Derek Carr his credit, we got to give Michael Pittman his credit as well. However, like you said, I don't think we're going out there and thumping our chest to say he's an every-week starter because the Colts do face a very tough playoff schedule against defenses, allowing some of the fewest points to wide receivers. But for now, we got to give the man credit where it's due, and he's been balling out. I mean, if I had my wide receivers putting up over 15 fantasy points week to week, I would be happy. But my guys just fail me every time, and then my bench out scores them. But that's me just having a, a, a mini rant. But this is about Michael Pittman Jr., and he's doing well. I am, I am, you know, I'm excited about this on a couple of levels. I mean, one, because, you know, fight on. I'm always excited to see Trojans do well in the NFL. Uh, but the other part is I, I did think in this rookie class of wide receivers that, that Pittman, you know, while he was maybe on the second tier of guys, I mean, he wasn't, you know, we weren't talking about him the way we talked about, you know, say Lamb or, or Judy or, or, you know, uh, Justin Jefferson, anybody like that. Uh, but he was kind of that group of guys that I thought would start to pick things up at some point during the season. So uh, I'm glad to see that there because, man, wide receiver is deep, but I don't think we can ever have too many of them. So uh, that's been sort of exciting there. Uh, if you have the top waiver priority this week, where are you going with it? Well, you just said it. Speaking of wide receivers, you can never have too many. So I'm going to rock with a rival. I'm going to try and go pick up Nelson Aguilar. He finished with Swagalore. over 20 fantasy points against my Chiefs last night. No, I, I know we make fun of him so much. And it's sad. We need to move past that. It's like us making fun of Rank for that horrible call where he predicted that the 49ers were going to suck and then they went on to go <laughs> to the Super Bowl. But Nelson Aguilar, he caught six of his nine targets for 88 yards and a touchdown. He led all wide receivers on that Las Vegas Raider team in terms of targets and as in terms of out-snapping everyone else. He's had a touchdown in six games this season. I think the consistency is there. We were just hyping up Derek Carr and saying that he's playing so well. They have such a favorable remaining schedule. So Nelson Aguilar, come on over to Kimmy Check's Fantasy Squad. Let's go try to win a championship. It, it really is the point. We, we, we have to stop making fun of him. He's playing really well this year. And so uh, I, I do think he's going to be a very popular ad off the waiver wire this week. Uh, I'm going to go with J.K. Dobbins. And we talked about him in the last segment. So I'm not going to dive too much into that one. But just sort of, you know, one, we're always thirsty for running backs. Running backs and tight ends. We are always thirsty for quality at those positions. And so on the hope that maybe the Ravens have seen the light, have turned the corner and want to give Dobbins some more opportunities. I, look, he's out there in a lot of leagues. I know people have been frustrated. I said last week, and I'll, I'll own it. I said last week that it was probably time to drop J.K. Dobbins on National Unfriending Day. I said it was time to unfriend him. <laughs> so uh, I will sort of walk that back after what I saw on Sunday and, and say that, all right, uh, if, you, if you didn't drop him, hold on to him. If he's out there in your league, 
maybe go get him because uh, let, let's just let's just go on the belief that what we saw on Sunday uh, is going to be what the case is going forward. And if it doesn't work out, then we can always put him back on the waiver wire. All right. So those are your waiver wire picks for week 12. Happy hunting out there as you get ready to bolster your roster for the rest of the regular season. You might be watching this show on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash NFL Fantasy Football. But if you are not, you should go and like and subscribe and just follow along with all the things we do. You can find all of our streaming shows there, whether it's this one, Fantasy Bites, NFL Fantasy Game Day. You can find it there. You can get clips from NFL Fantasy Live, plus what all other sorts of things that we feel like are entertaining and informative uh, informing, in, infortaining, uh, in, in, I don't know, whatever word you want to use to mash up and put those two things together, uh, you'll hopefully find it at youtube.com slash NFL fantasy football. So we appreciate all of you who have liked and subscribed and, uh, for the rest of you, come on down, peer pressure, join the group. Uh, we're all jumping off the cliff. Let's all do it together. Uh, anyway, some guys who came through on Sunday after kind of leaving us in the lurch for most of the season. And so we're going to ask whether or not we're cool now with some of these guys. The first one being Michael Thomas. And we talked about it at the top of the show, Kimmy, with Taysom Hill coming in. Thomas had 95 receiving yards total coming into the game. He went over 100 yards on Sunday. So are we cool now? We are so cool. I don't know if you remember, Marcus, but on NFL Fantasy Game Day, we asked, who's going to have a bigger bounce back? Is it going to be Will Fuller or Michael Thomas? I stomped my feet. I said, oh, it's going to be Michael <laughs> Thomas. I'm right. And I was right. He finished with just under 20 fantasy points. Like you said, he secured 9 of 12 targets for 104 receiving yards in that huge win over the Atlanta Falcons. Now, we alluded to it earlier when we were talking about Taysom Hill. I don't know if this can, can – I can't even talk because I'm so excited. I do not know if this can sustain for the rest of the season with Taysom Hill under center. But for now, we are so cool, Michael Thomas. Thank you for proving me right and saying that you were going to have a way bigger bounce back than Will Fuller. Now Marcus has to smile and eat his words because him and Rank went against me. <laughs> I will. I uh, I was wrong on that one because Will Fuller uh, had a frustrating, disappointing day, and Michael Thomas looked sort of like the Michael Thomas that you probably spent a high first-round draft pick on. And so I, I did think there was a chance that Thomas could get some targets. Certainly, I didn't think he'd have a number like he did, but I felt like the Saints would want to give Taysom Hill some easier throws. And that usually means running Michael Thomas. I mean, he's he's good for those slants, those those throws across the middle of the field to help the quarterback. And I think we saw a little bit of that on Sunday. So, yeah, that makes me feel better. And that makes me feel like the Saints will work to get him the football uh, and that he can be okay about it. All right. Jonathan Taylor, uh, who, who put together a, a good game for the first time in a while, uh, got you 15 fantasy points. Didn't get in the end zone, but did, did quite a bit. And sort of like we talked about with J.K. Dobbins getting a lot of work, Taylor got a lot of work. So are we cool now with J.T.? Marcus, I'm so tired of talking about Jonathan Taylor and the backfield because we just don't know where the consistency is. Yes, he rushed the ball for 22 times for 90 yards against the Packers. He also had four receptions for 24 yards. That got him just over 15 fantasy points. But I, I, I literally do not know what to do on this backfield. I went and I picked up Naheem Himes. I'm like, oh, yeah, finally, he's he's the lead back. I, I know that I'm going to score points. You know, the, this running back game is going to get a lot better for me. And then he does this. So I don't know. I, we're not cool. I just I'm not cool with anybody on the Colts running deep, running side of the ball. I'm I, I, I'm speechless. I, I literally do not know what to do with the situation. 
I, I I think I'm still cool with Naheem Hines, but I I need to see more from Jonathan Taylor before we're just like totally, you know, kicking it, uh, you know, at the barbecue or whatever, at the cookout together. Uh, you know, I it, it was nice. I mean, you know, he showed up and, and he brought some Hawaiian rolls or whatever, but I, I need a little bit more than that uh, before we're just boys again. So uh, I, I appreciate what he did. I'm not yet fully back on board. I need to see something else. We'll see what happens next week with that Indianapolis backfield before I, I make a final determination. Um, this was a, probably a better question for Adam Rank, but I'm asking it here with you. DJ Moore, who yesterday before the game started, Rank tweeted that he was benching DJ Moore. And I quote tweeted it and said, 20 points incoming. And uh, that's pretty much what happened. 21.8 fantasy points for DJ Moore sitting on Adam Rank's bench. I know it's been a roller coaster for him this year, um, but after what we saw with PJ Walker at quarterback, uh, are we cool now? PJ Walker had quite the good uh, uh, chemistry. I'm like, I can't even think of the word because I'm so excited about this. Yeah, so this was DJ Moore's second 100 plus receiving yard effort. He had 19 fantasy points back in week 10. He had 21 this week in week 11. I think it goes to show that you can't, you know, you can't sleep on DJ Moore. I thought we. We said that Curtis Samuel was probably the safest receiving option and we were going to fade DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson because we were unsure of what would happen with PJ Walker. But he, he went on and showed that they do have the chemistry, they have a good relationship, and he should be considered a weekly starter depending on that matchup. So uh, DJ Moore, we are so cool. You can bring me some Hawaiian rolls. I'll eat them. I, I think I'm mostly cool with DJ Moore. I, I know that he has been frustrating to people who have him on the roster. They haven't figured out when to start him, when to sit him. But for the most part, I think he's been okay. And, and after what was a – he had a rough start to the season. I don't think there's any way around that. Um, but he's started to pick things up later. And, and I think I'm okay with starting him more often than not. So what we saw yesterday was great because I, I didn't really expect it because I didn't know what to expect with Walker at quarterback. Uh, but but I think we're cool. I think DJ Moore, you and I are cool. Uh, Curtis Samuel, whatever your touchdown celebration was, I'm not cool with that because I don't know what it was. It was like it's like he was playing a video game and then threw a temper tantrum because he lost or something. I I don't follow, so uh, that part I'm not cool with because I just don't get it. But whatever. Um, last one, Mark Andrews, who we have been frustrated with you can't drop him because we need tight ends in the worst way and to put a guy like mark andrews out on the waiver wire is just foolish but he also hadn't been living up to what you would expected from him but he did on sunday finally uh had his first big game in about a month or so so does this mean we're cool with mark andrews now I think we we expected that this was going to happen. We understood that he was having a little bit of a downer for the last four weeks and that he was going to be able to pick it back up because if the Ravens want to win games, they have to use Mark Andrews. We know that he has a connection with Lamar Jackson. Think we, thinking back to last season, that was probably one of his favorite pass catchers. This was his third 20-plus fantasy point performance on the season. We are so cool. He finally got a share of the end zone. So, yeah, as you said, Obviously, no one was putting Mark Andrews out on the waiver wire or dropping him, but now we should feel a little bit more confidence having him in our starting tight end spot. I, I'm, I'm cool with Mark Andrews uh, just because, again, we need tight ends, and we know that Andrews is going to get his targets. We know he's going to get his opportunities. So I am, I'm willing to sort of let bygones be bygones. It's been frustrating, no, no doubt about it. I would have expected more from him on a consistent basis, but – 
uh, in the end, he's still the tight end three right now. And I know that probably speaks more to the state of the position than it does necessarily to anything that Andrews has done. But uh, all that being said, uh, I'm willing to I'm willing to hug it out, and we can uh, you know we can we can let it go, and and we're gonna be fine again. So uh, there it goes. We, we're we're trying to make amends. We're trying to make up with people. We're trying to forge bonds here on the show. This is what we do. Chances are good if you are watching this show that you have downloaded the NFL Fantasy app and you are playing NFL Fantasy football on it. But if you haven't, you can still download it. There are reasons to do that, namely because you can watch games live on the app. It's fantastic. You can even watch tonight's Monday night football game between the Rams and the Buccaneers. Just open up the app. There's a little thing in the top corner. It says live. You click on it and boom, you have football on your phone. It's great. I will tell you that as a father who has to give his kid a bath, I can watch the game and give the kid a bath and do everything at once. It's wonderful. So I advocate, please, please, please uh, download the NFL Fantasy app. All right. Speaking of Monday Night Football, it is the final game of Week 11, the Los Angeles Rams against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a quarterback rematch uh, from the Super Bowl a couple years ago when it was uh, the time Rams and Patriots, so Jared Goff and Tom Brady will lock horns once again. Let's start, though, with the Rams' wide receivers. Uh, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, if you had to pick one who's going to score more fantasy points tonight, it would be... I think Cooper Cup. Robert Woods had such a good matchup against the Seattle Seahawks, and he really didn't manage to do anything. I think Cooper Cup can do a lot more in the slot, and uh, the Buccaneers are middle of the pack against wide receivers. So if I had a rock with one, I want to say Cooper Cup. But both of these guys have burned me, so what do I know? It's, it's honestly a toss-up <laughs> at this point. <laughs> uh, they have both been frustrating at times. I'm going to go the other way and go with Robert Woods in this one just because uh, one fight on, but also because I just find I think they have more creative ways to get Get him the football. Uh, they like to get him to him as a runner occasionally as well. Uh, they'll try to throw him the football. But as you mentioned, the Buccaneers sort of middle of the pack when it comes to stopping fantasy wide receivers. I will say, I don't necessarily expect a huge game out of either one of them. Um, you know, if one of them can score a touchdown, that will help their numbers considerably. But otherwise, I think you're going to get kind of mediocre numbers out of both Cup and Woods in this one. Um, we talk about frustrating running back situations. The Rams are near the top of that list. There was a report from Jordan Rodriguez in The Athletic recently that we could see more Cam Akers, that they may start working the rookie in more. And I guess this fits with the theme of the week, right? We talked about uh, more J.K. Dobbins. We saw some more Jonathan Taylor. So will we see more Cam Akers tonight? Well, as sports said, it has to be true. We've seen that in all of sports, just like when it was reported that Jameis was going to be the starting quarterback. <laughs> I, do, I do think that since Cam Akers is back to being fully healthy, we, we will see more of him. I still do believe that Malcolm Brown is going to lead the pack and be the lead back. But like you said, I could see him getting some more usage in that offense. I say that if you wanted to rock with either or if you wanted to rock with someone in this backfield, especially in a daily format, I would go with Malcolm Brown or Cam Akers. I think I would fade Daryl Henderson because it's just way too crowded for me. But let's hope we do see more of the rookie and he can ball out tonight. The Yeah, I, I do think we're going to see more Cam Akers. And I think what you alluded to is that the big loser in this probably is Daryl Henderson. He was the guy getting a lot of the work between the 20s. It was Malcolm Brown down near the goal line. So he is the guy that retains, I think, a lot of his value as long as that role holds for him. Uh, but if we start seeing more Cam Akers, I think it's going to come at Daryl Henderson's expense, um, which 
Free sort of makes them both functionally unusable in fantasy. If they're going to sort of eat off each other's plates and neither one of them is going to get looks near the end zone, then they both become sort of frustrating propositions. So while I would like to say, no, we're not going to see more cam makers and we can keep rolling with Daryl Henderson. Uh, I don't believe that that is actually the truth. Um, all right. Uh, a pair of good defenses, though, in this matchup. We, we talked a lot about the Bucks. The Rams, certainly a very good defense. If you're playing daily fantasy and you have to pick between one of these, or even, look, I, I, there is a league. I have a league where I have both the Buccaneers and Rams defenses, and I sort of, you know, fiddled back and forth on what to do. Uh, which one of these would you lean toward? I think asking I'm going to take – here you're, like, asking for a friend, a.k.a. me – uh, I think I'm going to rock with the Tampa Bay defense today uh, just because home field advantage. I, I, I truly do think that's a thing. We were talking and alluding to that earlier when I was talking about the Saints and the Falcons having that tough matchup. But I want to rock with the Bucs. They, their defense has had more sacks, more interceptions, forced fumbles, touchdowns, and safeties this season. So home field advantage, home game. I say you rock with uh, Tampa Bay. I, I think I have Tampa Bay in there, and I have it partially because – I feel like if of the two quarterbacks, the one that's more likely to get rattled and make mistakes is going to be Jared Goff versus Tom Brady. I mean, look, Brady is not, he's not the same guy he was five years ago, but he's still pretty good. And even if you bring pressure, he'll find a way to move around in the pocket and find his open receivers. We've seen when Jared Goff gets pressure in his face that he can become rattled. He can make some bad throws. Uh, he will be stripped of the football occasionally when he is sacked. I just think he's the guy who's more prone to mistakes. That is what has led me to, to kind of ride with the Tampa Bay defense in this one. All right, last one. You want to talk about a, a committee situation. The Bucks wide receivers, we're still sort of sorting through. It has become a weekly question, so I'll ask it again. Which Bucks wide receiver do you think has the most fantasy value tonight? I don't know. What is up with all of these committees? Can we just get rid of it? Can we just have one guy be the main guy, please? Uh, but if I had to put money on someone, maybe Mike Evans, because he is leading the team in targets while coming in second in terms of receiving yards. He scored eight touchdowns this season. I feel like the consistency is better for that. Plus, I, I do have a weird feeling that uh, Jalen Ramsey is probably going to look to lock down Chris Godwin, even though it could be a split between uh, locking down Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. But I think I'm going to rock with Mike Evans tonight. But again, it's a committee. So every time I pick one guy, it's the opposite one. So I don't know. I mean, what we saw last week was that all three of those guys could be productive. But that's also when the Bucks went out and scored 46 points in a game. I don't think the Bucs are going to score 46 points against this Rams defense. So that, that sort of makes it a different situation. Look, I've been riding with Chris Godwin all year. I'm going to stay with that. Um, but it, it really is. It, it is spin the wheel of Buccaneers wide receivers. So you, you never really know. I'm going to take Godwin. I think it could be Evans. It could very well be Antonio Brown. Um, how about this? I will say it's a guy that does not have to spend the majority of his snaps staring at Jalen Ramsey. That will be the Buccaneers wide receiver uh, guess, that ends up scoring the most points. Yeah, you know, <laughs> this is why they pay me the medium-sized bucks. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's how this works around here. So, all right, that is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show presented by DraftKings. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, keep the dream alive. Hit your snooze button more often. Be safe. Take care of yourselves. Wear a mask. And we will see you on Wednesday.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 